Welcome to the Inflow Experience Podcast, the only podcast where you'll hear from contact center and customer experience experts about their roles, their lives, and everything in between. I'm Austin Culp, Manager of Customer Success at Inflow CX. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy the show. John, good morning. How's it going, sir? Good. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for thanks for asking. Appreciate it. Always great to to talk to you. But gotta say, it is even better to talk to you on the week after my fantasy football team has just absolutely dominated yours. I gotta. I had to you, throw that in you, there. Yeah. Thanks for the lesson. I got a fantasy <laughs> football lesson. This is spanking this last weekend. So I appreciate it. I'll try not to hold it against you during this conversation. So. Well, hey, you're gonna give you're gonna give me and all of our listeners the the real lesson here, the more important yeah. one. Uh, so so I'm really excited to have, to have the conversation today about you know yeah. about about what we do here and you know, specifically your role yeah. and, and how you help customers. But before we jump into that, John, as you probably know by now, uh, I always like to ask people to start, kick it off. What was your first ever job? And, you know, what did you maybe learn from that that you carry with you today? Well, you know, it's an interesting question. Uh, so, like, uh, my family owned a small business. So every kid in a family that owns a small business, their first mm-hmm. job is working in that family business, but that doesn't pay. You don't get paid when you work in a family business usually. Yeah. So my, fir- my first kind of paying job, the first time I had to go out and get, you know, apply for something and get hired, I worked in a restaurant. I started in the dish room and uh, it was a buffet restaurant. So I was on a line that kind of screen, uh, clean plates, which is the yeah. bottom of the bottom of the barrel. The dish room <laughs> is the bottom of the barrel and I was in the bottom of the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> And, uh, and so, it, you know, it's an interesting place to start. And um, I guess what I learned from it is I learned how to, like, to, to show up, be on time, do a good job, to do what you're asked to do. And, and then, you know, that, those are the, the seems like the bare minimum. But from just doing that, I got promoted to working in a kitchen, which is, uh, which was really, a, a, which was where I learned a lot. And uh, you learn how to work on a team. Uh, I learned some really good life skills. There. I learned how to cook a steak. Yeah. I learned how to season food. I learned how to, I could do little, I could do all sorts of little knife tricks. I can work with a knife, you know, so you learned all those kind of skills too. But mostly you just learn, you know, how to, sh- how to show up every day, how to be on time, how to have a good attitude. And those are all like a really important skills to learn how to work on a team as you move forward in your career. So uh, that's really what I learned. And I, I took a lot of those lessons that I learned there and I, try to apply them every single day. So I, I, that's, that's incredible. I love that. I food service myself is for, in terms of first jobs. And I, I agree with your sentiment there on, on everything. And I think that I've always been a, an advocate or had this philosophy that look, if you're going to work through high school or work through college, you should, it's almost like, I don't know, like mandatory military service. You should go work in a restaurant because if you do that, you're yeah. just going to gain you know, you're going to yeah. see what the real world's like. And also if you can work in a kitchen or in a dish room, or I feel like if you can work with, uh, you know, chefs, let's just, let's, let's say that, or, or cooks, uh, you can, you can take anything. You get really thick yeah. skin. I'll be like, <laughs> well, let me tell you, it wasn't fine dining. And to give you an idea what kind of restaurant it was, it was a restaurant where a 17 year old was like cooking steak. So this was not oh, fine man. dining, but, uh, you know, I'm fortunate that the guy that ran that kitchen saw that I showed up every day and that I didn't complain and I just kind of did my job. And then one day somebody didn't show up and he asked me to come over and if I was interested in helping him out in the kitchen and that was like a tryout. I got a tryout and he showed me how to cut an onion. And then he gave me this gigantic bag of onions and said, cut all these up. And uh, <laughs> so I did. And I realized, hey, you know what? I can get out of 
this old miserable job and this probably is a miserable job too but i'll get into this new miserable job and then that and from there i i kind of progressed through the kitchen and it was it was it was a lot of fun and their kitchens are crazy environments and you learn how to work in that craziness and and uh anyway i had i had a blast it was a you know i did it for you know two three years and it really had a lot of fun with it and worked your way up to less and less and less and less miserable jobs. Hopefully, your job now isn't isn't miserable. No, um, it's okay. Look, I wouldn't. I don't know anything else. It's is you know. I always tell everybody, man, if they made contact centers illegal tomorrow, I couldn't make a living, right? I wouldn't know how to do it. I've been doing it for thirty one years, which is a long time. Uh, but you know, it's really from the first time I saw it, it it just captivated me. This idea that you know. Or people were calling you or interacting with you or you were interacting with them. No one expected there was nothing there was nothing really planned or, or anything like that. It just happened. And and all these great things came from it. It just from the first time I saw it, it just blew me away. And I'm still I still every time I interact with a client, I learn something new about the way they interact with their customers or with their prospects or whoever that just it just keeps me interested. I always tell everybody I'm a consultant, so it's my job to sell knowledge, to basically work with our clients to help them solve their problems. But I learn as much in these engagements as I teach, which to me makes it really fun. And, uh, you know, so which is what I that's why I keep coming back and doing it every day. So that's great. And it's definitely and innovative and constantly evolving. I feel like every time you blink some, you know, something yeah. new is there's a new trend um, or right. new but technology in, or day, new something. Right. You know, look at, I would tell you that, you know, that while that is definitely true, I started, my first job was an, as an agent on an outbound program for AT&T and we were making cards. We were making calls using index cards and label sheets. Right. right. And, and that it was, it was, a crazy process, but it's effectively what they're doing today. What they automated is what we were doing back then. So the automation makes it better and the technology makes it better and it opens up new possibilities. But at the end of the day, I, I worked for the first guy I worked for. He said, Hey, John, don't ever forget. This is just people talking to people. And that, I think that's like really true. And that's what I keep reminding everybody. We can make mm. it complex, but at the end of the day, it's just people talking to people. Right. And then how do you do that effectively? And the, and the technology which, you know, in theory complicates it, really just enables that. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that. We lose sight of the fact that that technology in and of itself doesn't do anything other than just connecting us together into these into these interactions, whether it be digitally through chat or through SMS or through voice, you know, the old-fashioned way. That's all it really does. And, it you know, and, and, and then all the other stuff around it just enables it at the end of the day. And that's, that's really the way I try and focus on it is, you know, is, is that way, so... Yeah, that's a that's a really great viewpoint and vantage point. You know, I think it's really easy to make this extremely complex and get overwhelmed or or have it you know appear daunting. But you're right; it is just people connecting with people at the end of the day, or people communicating with people. However, well, however you phrase that, it, that was great. And we are working with clients right now. You know, if you think about it, we went through this crazy time with the pandemic. It flipped everything on its head. Right. Mm -hmm. And so people had to make these rapid decisions or all the things that uh, they thought were true um, ended up. Many of them ended up not being true. I remember I was on a uh, like a uh, kind of a disaster recovery team at a prior job and we were going through all the really bad things that can happen and trying to plan as part of that. And one of them was global pandemic. And I remember thinking, yeah, that's only slightly more likely than an EMT attack. What could go take <laughs> out the world, right? And 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 then it happened. Yeah. And uh, and so you know, it really, 
you know, clients had to react, right? Their businesses were at risk. Client customers were never were demanding more than ever. I mean, volumes exploded across mm-hmm. the board, and so they were they were they they were freaking out. And it's like, what do we do? So they they basically prioritized rapid. They made you know rapid deployment of digital and and cloud technologies to get their workforces remote so they could continue to interact with their customers to keep their businesses going. And they, I don't want to say they cut corners, they just prioritized mm-hmm. at the end of the day. They prioritized those things as opposed to maybe other things. And so now, okay, here we are two years later, you know, wherever we are in the pandemic, I don't know, but we are where we are. We're coming back to this kind of new normal now. And so now what do you, what do, you do now? You know, how do you rationalize kind of today's business priorities with the decisions you made, you know, two years ago? And I think that's what we're seeing clients come back to and look, it's like, okay, great. I got all this stuff. It's cool. But what am I going to do with it now? How do I, you know, how do I meet my customer service, my customer experience objectives? I got agents now that have labor deficiencies and labor problems. How do I solve those things? And that's, that's the kind of stuff we're working on right now is that, you know, that kind of stuff. And at the end of the day, it's like, how do I just get more out of what I have and what more should I be doing to achieve my business objectives, right? At the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think that's, you know, it's, you're right. It did go from, oh crap, we got to get everybody home like ASAP. We got to, you know, figure out whatever we got to do to do this. And now you've got contact centers that have maybe all this stuff or maybe don't have all this stuff, but either way, they're in a situation and now the things that put them in that situation maybe don't exist as much anymore. And so it's just like, how do we, you know, how do we sort of fine tune this? We did, we were forced into yeah. some, some decisions, frankly. And now, you know, maybe we can, can, you know, optimize that a little bit. I'm curious if you're, if you're seeing any really common themes or, or trends from people that are sort of in that predicament in contact centers today. Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting. I think they're coming around to realizing that, hey, I've got all these things I can do. I mean, right now, labor is a huge issue, right? Mm-hmm. So demand, again, has remained high. So cu- clients expect what they expect. You know, back when I first started in the contact center industry, even 10 years ago, you know, clients were focused on what I would call kind of selfish measures. So if I'm if I, I ran contact center operations at a kind of a large, uh, you know, global healthcare company, and we mm-hmm. were more concerned about what what was important to drive our business than necessarily thinking about what was important for our patients or our, for our, you know, the, the, the constituencies that we served, you know, that wasn't maybe top of mind. Maybe it was number two on the list, but it was like, okay, yeah. how do I deflect? How do I, uh, how do I, you know, drive down the cost of labor? How do I do all those things? Because those serve my business needs. Well, now it's, it's being flipped again. It's like, how do I, wait a minute, what do my customers expect from me and what are their expectations? And then now my workforce, where before, I don't know that you necessarily spent, you know, maybe you serve pizza to them on a regular basis or maybe you put <laughs> a game room in your facility, but you weren't really thinking about how do I empower my agents to drive up their experience? What what should be my, my transactional handling strategies to take advantage of the limited labor that I have that's expensive? And what should that look like? What should go to to self-service? What what processes can we simplify or automate to make our agents more effective? What tools can we give them to help them service customers where that kind of CX and agent experience stuff comes together? And so I think there's a lot. And then how, what insights can I glean from those from those calls and how do I apply them and work them through my organization, right? I think that's the stuff we're working on with clients on right now. It's like, you know, you can, 
I can adopt AI technology to evaluate calls all day long. You can do it. It's out there. There's <laughs> lots of good partners. We work with all of them, right? But if you can't move that information through your organization to affect change in agent behaviors, you know, client response, those types of things, I don't want to say you've wasted your money, but you're not going to get everything out of it that you hope for at the end of the day. And I think that's what clients are kind of wrapping their head around right now. It's like, okay, wait a minute. How do I – I'm supposed to get this. How do I get it? At yeah. the end of the day, so and it goes, it goes, I think it goes back a little bit to what you talked about earlier in the conversation, which is prioritization, right? It's it's mm-hmm. figuring out what the priority is for your business and what's going to be you know either the most impactful or you know, hold the most weight yeah. for you. And I know that there, like you said, there's so many I guess routes you can go. I've talked about that a little bit with some other guests too, but there's so many things out there that are that so many roads I guess you can go down and sure. You know, one road may lead into another road or it may just take you down you know, one path on its own. But, yeah. you know, sometimes I feel like contact center leaders get into the situation where there's just so many competing priorities that they do what a lot of us do when we get overwhelmed and just do nothing. And so right. that's obviously a worst case scenario, right? You're just doing the same yeah. thing over and over and, and hoping for a different result, which yeah. I think I, I forget who, who said that. But uh, that's, you know, the definition of insanity is the yeah. Famous quote there, you know, we're doing the same thing and expecting a different result. And so well, to prevent yeah, getting I yourself mean, into that situation, I mean, how do you how do you think about what to prioritize? And I mean, how do you start making sure that you're getting some positive momentum behind making change? Well, you know, when we we take a look, it's a great question. When we take a look at organizations and we when they when they ask us to come in and to do an assessment or take a look at things, we, we give them two perspectives. One is, you know, how, how are you set up to achieve your business objectives, right? So that's, that's like kind of like filter number one. And so, you know, and so we spend a lot of time working with them on, hey, what are you trying to accomplish, right, at the end of the day and why? How important is it to you? What, what are the impacts of those accomplishments to your organization? But also, what's the rest of the industry doing? What, what could you be doing or should you be doing? And that's really important in two places. One is, in many cases, you know, I, again, I don't, uh, you know, where I worked at before, I used to say all the time, hey, our p- poor performance is baked into the budget, right? So I don't, I don't have to improve necessarily because my, that our, our poor performance is baked into plan. I just have to achieve my plan at the end of the day, right? Yeah. And so how do I stretch beyond that and give them that perspective saying, hey, look at, this is what, other organizations and similar circumstances are doing, and these are the results they're achieving by doing these things. Here's the level of effort necessary to achieve that, and here's what you get. Here's the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. At the end of the day, here's why you do it, right? And so, it you know, I used to work for a guy who used to talk about he used to talk about the vital few, and and what he meant by that was you know we got 150 percent, 200 percent of things you could do. What are the things, what's the, yeah, but you have 100% of your of capacity to get things done. And mm-hmm. one of the most meaningful things you can do, and the, one of the most important lessons any contact center leader has to learn is, you've got all these voices coming at you, COOs, CFOs, CTOs, all these Cs and Os coming at you with different, yeah. you know, do this <laughs> and what about this? And it's like, okay, well, what what are the most impactful things overall that are going to drive. So what's most important, what should be most important, and what's going to drive your business. And so that's we prioritize based on impact and complexity. It's a cliche, but it's right. You want to what are the what are the least complex, highest impact things you can work on? And that's those are the things you should go work on first. And it's really understanding those things that really makes it powerful at the end of the day. And I, I think 
so many times, and I've been, I was a contact center leader. I've only been in consulting for about five years now. I mm-hmm. came out of the contact center industry. Sometimes I used to walk, I used to tell people, hey, I walk out of my office and everywhere I look, I see a problem, right? Which probably makes me a great consultant at the end of the day, <laughs> but it becomes, it can become overwhelming sometimes. And it's like, okay, what are the most important things I could be working on? I used to have to schedule time in my calendar to go to the bathroom so yeah. that I could, yeah, because it was, it was, it got that crazy. And so it's really helping them cut through that clutter and saying, hey, here are the most important things. These are the most important things to achieve what you, what you're trying to achieve. And here's the most important things based on what the trends are in the industry. And this is what you get when you accomplish them. Here's how hard it's going to be. And here's what you're going to, here's what you get at the end of the day. And I, that is a message that resonates across organizations. Usually when you get up to talking to COOs and CEOs and CTOs, those are messages that typically resonate across organizations. So you can cut through all that. Yeah, that's, that's, that's effective. And, you know, prioritizing it, identifying, you know, the change is, is one part of it. And then if you think about, okay, look, I've, I've figured it out. I know what we have to do. The next thing, especially that some of those, some of those CNOs are going to, you know, want to know is, well, great. You know, we decided to do all this. That's, that's fine. We can figure it out. But, you know, you as your, as, as our contact center, as our customer experience leader, you know, have a responsibility to make sure that we see this through and that it's doing all the things it says it does. How are you going to do that? And that's where I find sometimes people go, Oh, good question. I, I don't know how I'm going to do that. Um, is there sort of an, I guess maybe not even an easy way, but an effective way to just measure and continue to optimize and build on those changes in a perfect world, everything always works out and it works perfectly and gets exactly the result you want and you move on to the next thing or, you know, or, or coast. Um, but as we know, that's, you know, businesses change and goals change. And, you know, I guess, how do you, how do you factor in, you know, kind of that ongoing optimization piece and well, just making sure you're constantly innovating? If you don't measure it, you can't manage it at the end of the day. And that's ultimately what you have to do. And I would say that most contact centers, at least that I've worked in, okay, when I was a contact center operations leader, whenever we did something new, we'd hire some consultant or bring in new technology and there was impacts projected as a result of that. Typically, those things are put into my budget or put into my objectives or both. So mm-hmm. I was constantly measuring the ch- with the impact, right? And sometimes it worked out, sometimes it didn't, but I was on the hook for it. So usually when we work when we work with com- with clients, it was like, okay, who's going to effectively own these things at the end of the day when we leave, right? When we get done with our work, who who's going to own delivery of these objectives? And so you have to have an identified leader. And the second thing you have to have is, okay, how are you going to measure these things? So if I'm putting in a self-service uh, a self-service automation process and saying, look, you can automate this process. And we build a, we say, well, you should be able to, to self-service X percentage of your interactions through this deal. Then you, sh- you need, we, we need to leave them with a way to measure that. And then, you know, we'll check back in with them on a regular basis to make sure that they're achieving those objectives. Or, you know, if it's, if it's one of our current clients, when if they're um, with one of our strategic account managers or with our CSMs, they're checking yeah. back in with them too, saying, Hey, look at, how's your, how's your, uh, um, your, uh, you know, your call containment or, you know, Hey, we said we're going to do this process simplification and it should cut out, you know, 30 seconds of handle. Where are you at? Where's your overall handle? What's working? What's not working. Right. And then you can come back in and fine tune later. And that's the only way it's going to happen. So many times you, everybody walks away and, and then it either happens or it doesn't happen. And if you don't, if you don't measure it, you can't manage it. And if you're not constantly working to make sure you're getting it, because at the end of the day, like going back to what we talked about before, people talking to people, 
there's a lot of unknowns. So it's yeah. and when things don't work out right, why isn't it working out right? What's it, what has changed from our original assumptions and identifying that and saying, okay, how do I tighten this screw or loosen this, this, you know, nut to get what we wanted to get out of it. And that's, I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's ultimately what, what you're trying to do. Yeah. I, that, that makes, that makes a lot of sense in terms of, um, in terms of, you know, the next, I guess the next shiny red ball, right. As, as I've, I've talked about that a little bit before on this podcast, but what I mean by that is there's always the new cool thing in this space that you can go do or that you want to evaluate or the new buzzword. And I think it's really easy to, to lose sight of, you know, your end goal and, and what you know, what results you're trying to get for your, for your business. And, you know, curious, John, if you've seen that and, if so, you know, what are maybe some important factors to just keep an eye on or maybe keep on top of mind when you are going through some sort of evaluation, whether that's tech or whether that's looking at a process, um, you know, specific to your environment? Well, I, I think it starts with the simple question. What You know, I, I've, I've asked it a lot of times, what are we trying to accomplish here at mm-hmm. the end of the day? We're making a change. So be, in, you know, intentional about the changes you're doing and why you're doing it. It's easy. There's a ton of stuff. It's, it is, to your point earlier, it's a rapidly evolving industry. There's there's new technologies being deployed. There's like, you know, Genesis and 5.9 and NiceCX1 are in constant evolution of their platforms and bringing out all this new cool stuff, right? All of which is great all of which delivers on what they, it's all real, right? All that stuff is real. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really, but being intentional about, um, you know, what are we trying to accomplish and where are we relative to being able to capitalize on that? So focusing on that. One of the first consulting engagements I got into with this, with a client we've been working with now for four years. And when we were engaged, the, it, the starting point of the engagement with the business leader who engaged us was, John, I need you to come in here and you need to build the business case to migrate from our Cisco technology to the cloud. We need to be on the cloud. I have all these things I want to do, right? And I can't do them in the Cisco environment, not to pick on Cisco. But it, And so I, we went in and we looked at it, and we really realized really quickly that while they needed to do that, they had a lot of other problems they had to solve. Yeah. And, and if they didn't solve those problems first, like process problems, they were never going to get the gain out of it that we wanted. And so I had to go back to our client and say, look, it, that's a problem, but that's not your biggest problem. This is your biggest problem. And based mm-hmm. on what you told me that you were trying to accomplish, here's where you are and here's where you want to go. And you can't get there without changing these things first. And so we spent, you know, we spent three years basically reimagining their contact center, re-engineering their contact center, everything ground up. And now now we're helping them migrate to new technology and wow. when they when they deploy that when they when they deploy that they're going to get everything out of it they wanted to because their process is aligned and their organization has has basically adopted these things to put them in a position to where the, the technology is the last thing now to to bring it over the line bring it over the finish line so and i and yeah. I, I would say that takes discipline right that takes discipline and and focus, right? And I credit yeah. them for having the courage to to sit. It was a hard message to deliver to sit across the desk from a guy that hired you, that gave you money, gave yeah. you a job to do, and say, "Hey, that's not that's not the job you really want us to do. <laughs> this is the job you want us to do." Yeah. And so you okay. know, it was it was a fun conversation. So I bet, but it, look, it it obviously paid off, and I think that that's really, you know, that that's 
that that says a lot because I think you know being in in this space, the I guess maybe uh, uh, I don't really know. I guess maybe the most lucrative or maybe the most uh, impactful thing to an organization is oh yeah, we'll definitely sell you a new a new CCAS platform, yeah, sure. right? And absolutely, absolutely, you and we will. But to your point, taking a step back and going, look, we can do that for you, absolutely. But I just want to make sure that that's actually what you need because what's going to happen if that's not really what you need is you're going to go through this huge transformation. We're going to go through, you know, this evaluation, you're going to um, train all your users. And then six months after we deploy, you're going to be right back where you were, or maybe, yeah. maybe even in a well, worse case now because we spent all this money. Let's be clear. They were maybe one of the most broken contact centers I'd ever been involved. I mean, I, we need a whole other podcast to just go through the case study <laughs> for this client in terms of how broken they were. So I don't think that they're they're representative of the world. And I know one of the things we're, we do is like we're working, you know, we have a great uh, technology consulting. You guys have talked to us. You've had Stanton Smith on the, the podcast. You've had Adam on the podcast. We have a fantastic tech consulting team that does a fantastic job of lining up uh, clients gathering their requirements to make them be successful as they adopt new technology. They do a wonderful job. What we're working with them on now is saying, hey, look at through this process, as you see these new capabilities that the clients are going to adopt, we identify processes where maybe they're not quite not quite ready, either from a, an alignment standpoint, from you know from a workforce alignment standpoint or process alignment, to realize the full benefit of the technology. Right. And so so now we can we can basically do both. We can and you can do it. You can fly both those planes at the same time or one right after another to the point where it doesn't necessarily slow you down so much that, you know, it's like, OK, great. We're going to put off a, a, a technology, uh, you know, it, um, you know, engagement for four years now while we fix everything. It's not yeah. that. It's like, hey, I, we can do these things pretty quickly to go in and say, hey, you're going to adopt. You're going to move from traditional quality to AI-driven quality. How are you yeah. going to move that? You're going to have all this information now. How are you going to move that information through your organization? Is your process man, your performance management function strong enough to take full advantage of all this information? We can make some tweaks to that to put you in a position to get the maximum benefit, the the big bang out of this thing that you that you really hope to get when you adopted this new technology or got, acquired this new capability. So yeah, and that's sort of a perfect world, right? You, you know, you yeah. need to make a change from a technology perspective. You know that you want it done right. So it's it's almost a hey, while we're doing this evaluation, let's maybe dig into to some of this. That way, when we've selected you know the new technology that we think is going to be you know our uh, the one that we adopt for for our business for for long for long term. We've already worked out all those kinks beforehand, and so when we yeah. go to implement that solution, we know that look, we have we have crossed T's, we've dotted I's, we've even put the little yeah. dash on on all the sevens, right? I mean, yeah. at this point, we've got we 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 know yeah. this is going to be perfect, or we have a high right. you know can have right. a high high confidence in this solution because we've not only evaluated the tech, but we've looked at our entire operation, and you know we've made adjustments where we need to make operationally, and we've also got the best tech to support some of those adjustments. Right. And I think that's what we're seeing clients look at. Now they're realizing that that technology, while it's powerful and it's it's loaded with capability that's going to drive performance through the organization, if it's not aligned with process and it's not aligned with 
that, you know, people, yeah. you know, that whole people process and technology is a cliche, but it's true. I mean, I think it was Accenture that came up with it. I think they got it right. That's one of the things they got right. So, you know, and it's all that has to be aligned to your business objectives in order to get what you want to get out of it. And that's ultimately, I think, what you what you're saying. I mean, I used to joke with one of the CEOs of one of the one of the, the leading CCAS providers, like, "Hey, look, we make a great living cleaning up after you guys," and that was that was what we did because we'd be like, "Hey, let's just take what we're doing now, let's just deploy it in this new technology," and then clients six months later would be like, "Wait a minute, I thought I was going to get this, or I thought I was going to get that," and then we would come in behind it and fix it after the fact. It's just easier to fix it up front, get it right up yeah. front, and design saves you, it right. Save you headaches and saves you stress right. for sure. Right, for sure, and and then it, then it becomes you take and it's a win when you when you go yeah. live, it's a win. So, yeah, that's great, John. One of the last things I always like to, to ask people as we're wrapping up here, because believe it or not, we're almost at thirty minutes. Um, you know, you work with a lot of customers in the space, and you have worked in this space in general for like I think you said over over thirty years. Um, yeah. Although you don't look a day over. 24 maybe so <laughs> no i don't wear cool i don't wear hip shoes like you do so i'm not you know <laughs> yeah. So, no. yeah but but you know john there's a lot going on we've talked about self-service we've talked about automation we've talked about a ton of things over and we've, we've even talked about you know it flipping from hey what's right for our business and how do we get the most out of our business to wait what do our customers want so there's a lot of emerging trends today that are already here right we're already right. in the middle yeah. of them but yeah, you know, what do you think that'll mean over the next one to five years? Do you see more of the same, just more focus on what we're looking at today? Do you see anything that's maybe just on the horizon that some of these things will lead into being the biggest driver for for contact centers in the near future? Well, it's you know, there's an underlying trend related to labor that's not going to go away, right? Yeah. That's that is that's a big issue, and there's lots of different solutions to that issue. But what I think the one that excites me the most is the possibilities that come through AI. And that's kind of AI is one of those buzzwords we talked about. It means a lot of different things. But there's a lot of possibility with regard to, you know, uh, you know, what virtual assistant technology, IVA, you know, so creating a human-like interaction that people will want to – that customers will want to interact with to simplify process to give them faster service delivery there's a whole host of things happening from um from a tool standpoint to empower agents like uh, agent assist notes automation process simplification through a through ai and then there's this whole world of business insights that's being driven on the backside. so I, to me that's the thing that really excites me is hey look at we, we're going to have all this information at our fingertips to really drive you know a a, a, be, a great customer experience to drive a great agent experience and when you have those two things that those two things fit together you know like a hand and a glove that you can't have a great customer experience without a great agent experience at the end of the day yeah. and then you know couple that with a strategy an interaction strategy of saying okay what goes to where who are the right what are the right resources to basically take care of all these different things that we're trying to get done here that is the the best for us but also more importantly best for our for our customers right at the end of the day and i just to me that's the that's the new frontier it's here it's evolving right now right in front of us and i think it's really exciting so great john that was very insightful and a lot of really good takeaways from uh from this episode i really appreciate the conversation no, I do too. It's fun. Look at it. This is this is weird, but this is the kind of stuff I like talking about. It's my been the, the, the chunk, biggest chunk of my adult life, half of my adult life, I've spent doing this. So it's it's super interesting. And anytime you want to talk, Austin, I'm I'm happy to do it. So.
Great. Well, I may take you up on that. I don't know if we have our next guest slated just yet, so we may so, get a back-to-back John episode. Who knows? We'll, we'll see. Well, we'll see. We'll see in. how many people are actually interested <laughs> in it. But, but, you know, I am. I definitely am. So yeah, I really appreciate it, Austin. Thank you very much. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, John. Thank you for listening to the Inflow Experience Podcast. If you like what we're doing and you want to hear more, consider subscribing. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or any other major podcast platform.